Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Excited about this series because it really is going to offer some clarity around who we are as a church and, and what kind of church it is that I see. And I'm going to start off with this key verse, and I'll, I'll talk about this every week. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 16. Verse 18, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades. By the way, that word Hades is is another name for hell, okay? He said, so the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be part of, right? And, And when we're talking about church, we're not talking about a church building. We're talking about its people, that the gates of hell will not prevail against its people, Right? That's what the church is. That when Jesus is talking about it, I'm going to build some people up that hellfire and brimstone can come and it will not prevail. Prevail against what? It won't prevail against their finances. It won't prevail against their marriages. It won't prevail against their kids. It will not prevail against their attitudes and their hearts. It will not prevail against all God has for them. Come on, somebody. He says, I'm going to build a church that hell will not overcome it. Doesn't say hell won't attack. Nah, that's that's not the case. Some of y'all are like, I'm going through hell right now. Yeah, but you're going through it. That's the point. You ain't stuck in it. Right? That's the church that I see and the church that Jesus said he wanted to build. Now, I love looking at this verse because there's three things I see in this verse. First, I see the word my. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. There's some ownership there. And we, we, as Christ followers, need to understand we've got a responsibility in building this church and what it looks like. Jesus, I'm going to build my church. Can you say this is your church? If this is your church, this is, you, this is my church. And I've got a part to play in making sure that it is a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. He's got some ownership here. And then he, I, like, I see desire. He has a desire for us. There's a picture that he paints and says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church I'm going to build, that's what it looks like. That's what I want it to look like. And the third thing I see is some intentionality. Because you know what? I don't know who goes out and tries to build something without having some blueprints or a game plan. You know what I'm saying? There's some intentionality attached to how we get to a place where the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So there's there's ownership, there's desire, and there's intentionality. I, I, I have tried to build things because I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I can figure things out, right? Any, any guys relate to that? You're getting, getting something from Ikea and you try to build that thing without looking at the directions and not having a plan? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's, this is just bad plans, right? This is, this is not the right way to go. We need to follow the plan. And for us, the way we arrive at a church that the gates of hell cannot stand against, we need a plan. That's not our plan. It's not, it's not Pastor Aaron's plan. The plan that we have is found in God's word. And so that's what we began doing last week was laying the foundation for a church that hell would not prevail against it and, and that, what that plan looked like. And so we said that the foundation must be a passion for God. It must be a passion for God. It must be the things that he is passionate about for us. And the first thing we talked about was being passionate for prayer passionate for having conversation with him where we speak to and listen to him we have dialogue with him where prayer is 
first, a passion not only for prayer but for praise and worship. When we put God in his right spot, we put him in the proper place in our hearts. We worship him. We add worth to him. We exalt him. And then a passion for purity. Because let me tell you something. There is power in purity. There's power in it. And God longs for us to have a passion for that purity, which means that when he puts his finger on something in our hearts and our lives and says, hey, this thing right here, this is causing a wedge between me and you. Hey, this thing right here is keeping you from taking that next step or entering into that next season or having what you've been praying for. When he puts his finger on that thing, we must be willing to say, I surrender it. Even when I don't like it, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to walk out some purity and experience his power. And the, the fourth thing we talked about last week was being passionate about people. Man, the Bible says God so loved the world. And we have to be in that place, too, that we so love the world. Not just the earth, but the people in it. God loves people. Jesus said zeal for God's house consumed him. Zeal, another word for that is passion. We need to be passionate. Today, I want to talk to you about where that passion should lead us. Because passion for God should lead to pursuit of all that God has for us. Amen, everyone? If we're really passionate about God, it means we trust him and we're in a place where we go, okay, God, there's nothing in your word that you have for me that's bad. I may not like it. It may conflict with my own desires. It may conflict with the way I've led my, lived my life thus far. But I can trust that whatever is in your word that you say is for me is good. And I'm going to passionately pursue it. Because all we have, friends, everything we have is not all God has. Think about that. All you've experienced right now in your Christian walk, your spiritual journey, all you have is not all God has for you. He has more in store for us. Then I think it's a sad state that too many Christians will settle for fire insurance. They say, well, I'm not going to hell. I've said yes to Jesus. But they experience no other part of the spiritual journey he has for them. They don't take the next step. They don't pursue everything that he has in store. And I think, I think that, 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 man, it's so common for us to go, I'm, I've got heaven coming, but I'm experiencing hell on earth now. And God has more. He does not desire for you to experience hell on this earth. He wants peace for you. He wants joy for you. Power and on the list goes. Your spiritual journey does not end with you saying yes. That's just the beginning, my friends. There's more. There's, there's growth. There's sanctification, which is where God cleans you up and makes you more like Jesus. There's the redemption, where God takes all of your life, even the yucky parts, and redeems it, uses it for your good and for his glory. See, that's what, that's what you call a comeback, right? He takes a, takes a story and turns it around. The story you've been writing with your hand and the pen hold, held, held in your hand, you surrender it to him, and he changes the end of that story. That's redemption. He has that for you. He has freedom for you. He has peace for you. He has power, protection, provision, and prosperity. And some of you are like, money, money, money. Come on. Money. I want some prosperity. But that's not necessarily what that means. 
Maybe God wants you to be wealthy so that you can fund what he has for his church. Maybe that's who it is. There, there is a gift, a spiritual gift of giving. Absolutely, do I believe that God desires that for people, for sure. But John said in his letter to the church, I pray that you're in health and you prosper even as your soul prospers. There's a soul prosperity. Your relationships are prospering. Your mind and your heart are prospering. Your emotions are prospering. Come on, somebody. There is a prosperity that he wants you to experience. He never intended for your journey to stop with a single yes to Jesus. And so today, my encouragement for you is to go after everything God has for you. Be passionate enough to say yes. I may not understand it, or that may seem different to me, but I'm going to trust that it is for me. The reason I'm even giving this message today is because there's much misguidance about what that more can be. And it's important that we have a clear picture or a clear understanding of what that more is, or we're never going to continue on that spiritual journey. So I'm going to help you with that today. But here's the truth about what God has for us. And you need to understand that the early church struggled with what God had for them too. But Paul, quoting the Old Testament, says this about what God had. He says, however, as it's written, so he's quoting an Old Testament, okay? He's quoting old scripture. He says, and this has been written long before. Paul, this, he's, he's now, he, he's a guy who writes most of the New Testament. He, this is after Jesus has been here. Death, burial, resurrection. He writes this. He says, no eye has seen and again, he's quoting, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's what has been, had been written about what God had for us. Nobody's seen it. Nobody's heard it. In fact, you can't even conceive it with your brain because it's so small. What God has for you. And then Paul says, but, oh, I like it when I see a but in scripture. You know what I'm saying? Because that, if that's where that scripture ended, that's kind of sad. We don't get to know. We don't get to know the plan. We don't get to know what he has for us. We're just supposed to walk it like we're blind, groping in the dark. No, Paul says, but God has revealed it to us. And how did he do that? By his spirit. See, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The spirit is the one who has and who does reveal all all of these things that God has to for us. He is the one who reveals it. He is the missing element. He is the one who is the most misunderstood and that there is much misguidance on. In fact, I would tell you that in some circles, people are, are kind of scared to talk about the Holy Ghost. Ghost, mm -mm, I'm out. I don't like that. That sounds scary. No, thank you. No, thank you. We talk about the Holy Spirit, and, when, and, and they're like, ah, that just does not sound appealing to me. But listen to me. If God has it for you, it's good for you. Amen, everybody? So we don't need to be afraid. And I would say that now more than ever in our lives, we need the Holy Spirit. Now more than ever, we need him. We need him in our homes. We need him in our church, in our families. We need him in our, at work. We need him at schools, and my goodness, we need him in line at Chipotle. I was in a line last night. It was really long, and I don't understand what was happening. Actually, the line was pretty short, but I waited a really long time. That's not okay. Not when Chipotle was within my reach. It's like one or two people in front of me, and I can't get to it. My brothers, these things ought not be. 
thus saith Aaron. <laughs> but Paul was desperate for God's spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He said, in other words, I'm not showing you everything I've got. I'm not talking on some high level, although Paul could. Paul was highly educated. He, the, 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 the highest level of seminary during that day was with the, the group of people called the Pharisees, and Paul was a Pharisee. He studied with them. He was highly educated about the things of God. He said, I didn't come to you speaking with wise words and even having, like, well-prepared messages. He said, that's not what I did. He said, but with a demonstration, watch this, of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom. So it's not about what I'm doing, but on God's power. Paul was rejecting his intellect and saying, you know what I need most? I need, I need the Holy Spirit's power. Why? Because he needed the Holy Spirit's power to open the hearts of the people that were listening. To open their ears to hear and their hearts to respond. To hear the gospel message that Jesus, all of what Jesus had done for them. He needed power. And he didn't need power so that he could preach well. Though he did pray often for the Holy Spirit to make him bold. And that's one of the things the Holy Spirit will do. But he needed power to reach the hearts of the people. And you need God's power for that. Later in the same book he says, uh, in, in verse 20, he said, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And some of you, that's your Christian experience. You come here on Sundays. We sing a couple songs. You listen to me talk. And that's the end of your, of your spiritual journey. There's nothing else that you give to it. There's nothing else that you do during the week. And not that it's all about what you do, but there's a relationship to be fanned into a flame that happens on a daily Hour by hour, sometimes minute by minute, walk with the real, very real person of Jesus by his spirit. There's more for us to experience. He said it's living by God's power. That's the invitation today. To live by God's power through the Holy Spirit. Remember, what we have right now is not all God has for us. So today I'm going to give you three things that God has for you, that he has for every single person. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why people kind of resist those things. And then I'm going to give you a very personal invitation. So, so these three things that God has for you is all the same word. It's baptism. There are three baptisms. Now, baptisms is not just about being dunked in water. In fact, the Greek word that, that is translated here is the, is the word baptizo. And it means to be fully immersed in. If we were to talk about it today, we would talk about it going all in. That's what it means. I'm going to go all in, cannonball even, into all that God has for you. You know what it takes to cannonball into a pool? Some trust, right? Some trust that, man, you're going to break the surface, that tension surface of that water, and that, that it's going to keep you a little buoyant and, and keep you from hitting the bottom of the pool, right, and injuring yourself. It takes some trust to cannonball in. You're going to have to have some trust here because God's calling you to cannonball into all that he has for you. All right. I just want to make sure I looked in the white of your eyes. Make sure you understand. There's a call for us to dive in. 
And the Bible refers to three baptisms, three immersions, three calls to go all in that you need to know about because you're invited to them. The first one's baptism into the body of Christ. This is what we call salvation. Let me show it to you in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So when you say yes to Jesus, it's not just about you giving your life to Jesus. It's about you joining the, the family of Christ. And in Scripture, it talks about it joining the people, joining the flock, joining the body, joining, uh, joining his church. But this is all, the, all, the, all, the, all to say that, hey, when you get saved, yes, you're saying yes to the lordship of Christ. Yes, you're receiving forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. But what you're doing is joining a people. And that's what we do here on Sundays. We have a family gathering, y'all. We gather together. We love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, grow deeper in our relationships with one another, therefore making the body experience more unity together. If we were not a family, if we were not a body, there would be no reason for us to gather. If it wasn't about putting us into a people group, a church that the gates of hell would not stand against, if it wasn't about that, we have no reason to have this building and no reason to gather. It could be a personal relationship where we go live our individual lives and, and do all this on our own. But that's not what God has for us. You all know that. That's why you're here. That's why some of you are watching online. That's why others of you are listening to the podcast. You want to be part of what it is that God has. You know you belong. Galatians 3, Paul says this, you're all, all children of God through faith in Christ. So, so God loves everybody, but you get entered into the family when you surrender to Jesus and say, I accept your lordship. You're in charge now. The Bible says we become joint heirs with him. We, we, get, we get adopted into a spiritual family. He says, you're all children of God through the faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Do you know what this is referring to? This is so neat. The Bible talks about putting on Jesus almost like putting him on like a robe, like, like a flesh suit, right? Like, like you know, uh, don't, don't be gross, okay? I'm just saying, like, this is not science of the lambs. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Which, by the way, most misleading title of the movie ever. There was no lambs at all in the movie, but uh, anyway. <laughs> So, when a baby lamb is born and its mother passes away, that baby, that little lamb cannot just go to another mother and receive milk. It's just that she will reject that lamb. It's not hers. But if a mother has a lamb and that lamb dies... You can take the skin of that lamb and put it on the other lamb like a coat. You can, you can, and it'll smell like her baby. And she'll accept it and she'll nourish it and provide for it and protect it. And I think this is so neat because the Bible talks about Jesus being our lamb who was slain. That in our own sin and in our best to live out a righteous life, the Bible says it's not good enough, but that there was a lamb who was slain. That when we are in him, 
we are made righteous. And God accepts us. I think that's just so neat. And that's what Paul is talking about here. That when we are baptized into the body, we are saved. We become part of the church. You go all in and you give Jesus your life and that's what happens. That's what salvation is. It's us receiving mercy and grace as we go all in following Jesus. Second baptism is separate. And it's separate for a good reason. Because God wanted to make sure that you knew that salvation itself was its own thing. And that second baptism is water baptism. It's your public declaration of your faith. Four people did this last Sunday if you were here and got to see it. They said, I'm going public with my faith, and they got baptized in water. They went all in with Jesus, and so they were baptized into the body. They, they said, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. And then they went all in with everybody else through a public ceremony or a public confession, and that's water baptism. That's what happened last Sunday. And it's a separate baptism for a reason, because if you put the two of them together, it violates Scripture. Because God wanted us to be clear that salvation has nothing to do with anything we could do. And that if salvation was connected to being baptized and immersed in a tank in water, then we wouldn't need everything that Jesus did on the cross. If it's just about that, we don't need him. So God says this is a separate baptism. Baptism into the body and baptism in the water. Baptism in water is not what saves your life. It's not. If you think of baptism, you think about baptism like a, uh, like a wedding day, right? You're not at that wedding day to fall in love. You're already in love. You're already in your heart, committed to that person. You've already in your heart and in many different ways rearranged your life so that all of your life is pointing at that one person. The wedding is not what makes you married or committed in your heart. It's not. That happens prior to. But the wedding is a public day. It's a day where you, before your friends and your family, make a public confession and say, I'm all done with the ways that I used to live. I'm no longer a one. I'm a two. I am part of. And I'm committed to this person for the rest of my life. It's, it's why we wear a ring. Just in case you didn't make it to the ceremony, you know, hey, hands off. I'm committed, and she will cut you. <laughs> it's a true story. She'll cut you. Can you imagine if I looked at my wife well, she would have been just been my girlfriend at the time and just said, eh, I love you lots. We ain't doing this wedding ceremony thing. And I'm not going to wear a ring. And uh, you know these vows and all this other stuff, I don't really know about any of that. I don't say in ceremony and these candles and this tuxedo. I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to do any of that. Could you imagine her response? You think she would cut you? She'd have killed me. It's funny, last week I told her, we were talking about, like, you know, the, when I passed, I said, hey, babe, I think I want to be cremated, and she made an appointment for next week, and I don't know if I should be concerned about that or not, but, <laughs> uh, oh, indeed. 
Paul said this about those who became Christians. <laughs> Acts 2, 41 said those who accepted his message, in other words, those who, who said yes to Jesus, they were baptized. So, so there's, the, there, there's the baptism in the body, and then, which has nothing to do with anything we can do, and then everybody goes public with it. Another way to think about baptism is, is there's this other image of baptism and talks about this in the Bible, that baptism's a identifying with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. That baptism is this public statement of, hey, I got some stuff in my life that I'm going to go ahead and draw a line in the sand, and I'm not crossing back over it again. I'm going to leave some behaviors. I'm going to leave some stuff on the other side of this line. I'm going to go ahead and bury my old self. And I'm making this public confession that this is the line in the sand. No more. And I'm burying it. The old me is gone. The life I have in Christ is now here. For me, when I got baptized again in 2010, one of the things that I decided was I was done with was the addiction to pornography. And I had tried to quit so many times. And I'm not telling you that there's anything magical about baptism. I'm telling you I had decided that I was going to experience all God had for me. And I made a public declaration of my faith. And in my heart, I knew this is the moment that I'm going to experience freedom because I'm going to lay this thing to rest. And when I came out of that water, I was perfect and free and never had a trouble again with it. <clears throat> Wrong. When I came out of the water, I was committed. And I began to be under progress. And God began to clean me up and he freed me. There were some things I settled. Now, I want to be very clear here. Water baptism does not save you. You are saved by grace and what Jesus did alone. And I'm being clear due to mis some misinformation because there are some teachings out there that says that, that baptism is it. That the way you do it and even the words you say while you're doing it matter. And if the person who's baptizing you, which, by the way, you'll have no idea because you're a brand-new baby Christian— but if they get it wrong, when you get up to heaven, St. Peter's going to say, sorry. See, when you were underwater and you couldn't hear, <sighs> this is so awkward. <laughs> they didn't say the right words, and so uh, you're going to have to go to hell and burn forever. Sorry. Okay, next. Can you guys remove them? This is awkward. I don't want to look at them. Uh, that's not going to happen. There's some that teach that, that unless you are completely immersed in the moment, that, that you weren't fully immersed at all. That they got four people around the corners of the tank, some holding your legs down on this side, on that side. This is true. This is real. And when they take you underwater, they hold you underwater long enough for everybody to look over every inch of your body and make sure that you're underwater fully. I'm a big dude. That's going to take some time. I don't know if I can hold my breath that long. <laughs> and, and once they all look at each other and agree, then they bring you up out of the water. That's real. And they're like, this is the only way to do it. If we don't have you fully immersed, it doesn't count. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> heaven does not hang on how your baptism is done or the things that you say. By the way, if you're curious, at Simple Church, we just say the words in red, which when you read your Bible, the words in red are the words Jesus said. He said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it. Do I think that's right? I don't know, but that's what we do. Because Peter later on said to baptize in Jesus' name. Some churches say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus Christ. Boom, they hit you. They get you on both. Whatever you want to do. The words, I don't think, are so important. It, it's, it's, it's the public confession that's important. Once you accept Jesus, you go public. Jesus said this about public acknowledgement in Matthew 10, 
verse 32, he said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And I know that none of you want that. I know that's not what you want. So let me encourage you. There are some of you that have said yes to Jesus, but you've still not gotten baptized. And I understand. Listen, I understand there are reasons for that that may be very valid. We had a young lady that was here at our church that had some trauma re- uh, around water and being, being immersed in water uh, from a childhood and was terrified. But she confessed that and shared, sought prayer because she's like, if God's got this for me, I want this. And she came to us and finally said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I'm scared, but I got a person that I trust. And she got baptized. So I understand. There might be something that's keeping you from doing it, but I encourage you to begin taking steps towards it, to begin praying through what those hang-ups are. Because there's something very special about your baptism. For here, it's easy to set up. You get on the Church Center app underneath the events tab. There's a button that says baptism. Sign up. Fill out your Connect card. Stop by the Connect Center. We made it so easy. We will do baptisms on the first Sunday of every month. We would love to baptize you and your entire family. Let's do it. Let's go. So that's the second baptism. Baptism into the body. Baptism into water. And the third baptism, and the Bible talks about this one four times more than it talks about the other two. That should tell you something. And this is the one that people are hung up on. And it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or living a spirit-empowered life. This is a separate experience again. It has nothing to do with salvation. They can all happen in the same day and within moments of each other, but they are all separate things that God has for you. Salvation is about your eternal existence, but baptism in the Holy Spirit is so that you can live a spirit-empowered life here on earth. Again, why separate? Because God didn't want to complicate salvation. Salvation is free. It's free. Some churches teach, and I grew up in one of these churches, they teach that unless you are baptized in the Spirit and have the evidence of speaking in tongues. See, the Spirit gives you, there's a list of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to everybody when he fills them, when they they surrender to the Spirit. And among them is is a list, among that list is speaking in tongues. Some of them are like, that's really weird stuff, Aaron. I get that that might not be your normal experience, but remember, we don't want to disparage anything that God has for us. It's in his word, so it's good, even if it's a little weird to us, right? And some churches teach that unless you speak in tongues, which, by the way, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he desires, so it's not really in our control, but they said, hey, unless you speak in tongues, you don't go to heaven. As a 12-year-old, that scared me because I know I've done some bad stuff. I I had said yes to Jesus. I was baptized at age 8, but by 12, I was taught that was the age of accountability at my church and that if I died on my way home from church that night, I was going to hell. I was terrified. They said the Holy Spirit's like a magnet. When Jesus appears in the sky, it just suck you right up. That's the real story I was told as a kid. I don't where do you find that in the Bible? Not there. It's not there. And the reason I'm talking to you about it today is because there's so much misinformation about it. There's so much misguidance about the Holy Spirit. It's just not true. So again, if we think about it, speaking in tongues would be a do. Salvation is not about do. 
It's about a done. And it's what Jesus done did on the cross. And Jesus was so confident that what he had done did the trick. He's hanging on the cross, and in his final breath, he says the words, It is finished. Salvation was yours in that moment. Nothing you have to do. Jesus paid it all. But there's still more. I feel like we should have like an As Seen on TV logo hanging somewhere today, you know? But there's still more. But wait, there's more. So let me show this to you. I'm going to show you. There's all three baptisms in one story. And it happens in the book of Acts, which, by the way, in your Bible, the book of Acts is in your New Testament, and it's the history of the very first church after Jesus left. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 and verse 12, it says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. But when they believed, that's the first baptism, by the way, baptized into the bodies, that's salvation. When they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, that's baptized in water, both men and women. And when the apostles in Jerusalem, so back at headquarters, they're hearing all this stuff is happening. When they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. These are Jesus' besties. They were two of his closest. John was his best friend, and Peter was part of the three that Jesus took everywhere. They said they sent them down to, to, to talk to them in Samaria, and when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. That's your third baptism. That's baptism in the Spirit. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. It's a separate experience. See, God takes you in that moment to a deeper place with him where his spirit dwells inside of you. It's no longer in a church building or a tabernacle, a temple. No, no, no. God's spirit now dwells inside of you because of what Jesus did. His spirit is not... Dwelling inside this baptism is not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for living a spirit-empowered life. And I know there's pushback on the Holy Spirit, especially what all that means, because you're like, that Holy Spirit stuff is weird. Are y'all going to have, is there a box up there? Is there snakes up there? You guys got some snakes? You got like a racetrack? Because I've seen some of them Holy Spirit churches, them charismatic churches, them Pentecostal ones. They got like a racetrack, people just running. Where's your flags? We're going to wave flags and we're going to do, we're going to do cartwheels across the front of the service. I've seen all that. And, and when it came down to praying that the Holy Spirit filled me, I grabbed my mama's skirt. I said, hey, I don't want to do all that. That's weird. And my wise mother said, you don't have to be weird to be filled with the Spirit. It may be weird to you because it's an odd experience to you, because it's not your normative, but you don't have to be weird and act weird because you're filled with the Spirit. You just don't have to. It's just, that's just not a thing. We should never disparage anything God has for us. And living a Spirit-empowered life is something He has for us. Look at this to see the, the truth of this theology. It's in 1 John chapter 5. He said, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. So this is in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Now notice that word, Word, is capitalized. Now this is John, again, Jesus' bestie. When he starts talking about Jesus in his first letter, which is the book of John, and then he's got 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 
In the book of John, John 1, 1, he said, in the beginning was the word, capitalized, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's talking about Jesus. That's how he refers to Jesus, okay? He calls him the word. And so here he's saying that again. These three bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's the Trinity. He said, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, so that's baptism in the Spirit. The water, baptism in water, and the blood. Jesus shed his blood so that we could have salvation. That's baptism into the body. There's the three. He said, and these three agree as one. See, they all agree with one another. But my question to you is, do they agree with you? Do they agree with you? Again, the blood is, your sins are forgiven. They're washed away. We have heaven. Yes, we want that. Baptism in water. Ooh, this public confession thing. I don't like being in front of people. I'm an introvert, Aaron. I'm a little scared. Is the water cold? It's warm for the most part. One of the very first baptisms I ever did, I baptized this guy at this other church, and the water was freezing, y'all. It was freezing, and this other pastor was there on stage with me, and we put him in, and he apologized. He said, we thought that the hot water was filling this thing up the whole time, and it wasn't. The hot water here wasn't even on. He said, so this is ice cold, and the guy sat down and stood up real quick, and he said, brother, Jesus died for you. He said, you can handle a little bit of cold water, and the guy went, he went down in the water. It was ice cold, though. Jesus died for you, nails in his hand. You can handle some cold water. I guess that's true, but we don't make you suffer like that here at Simple Church. I said I won my church. <laughs> my church, the gates of hell, will not stand against it. But we, we will use some of those flames to warm up some of the water. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Here's what John said. No, but, 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 but I understand. So we, we've got some resistance to this baptism in water and then, and then the baptism in the Spirit, living a life with the Holy, the Holy Spirit empowering us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us. These are all good things, guys. And these are all powerful experiences that God has for each and every single one of us. So why are some of us reluctant? Why do some of us push back? Well, some of us are just uninformed. That's the first reason. There's three reasons, and I'll be quick here. Some are just uninformed. They aren't necessarily out, just, just outright rejecting what God has for them. They just didn't know any better. And, 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 you know, if you're here today and that's you, you're not alone in that. The, the early church Christians didn't know either. In Acts 19, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, meaning these are Christ followers, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They're like, no way. We didn't even know that there was a spirit. We had no idea. They were saved. They just weren't experiencing all God had for them yet. But here's the thing. Once you know, it's time to get baptized in or go all in. It's time to fully immerse yourself in what God has for you. For me, I know that, that at one point in time, like I told you earlier, I was uninformed. I thought having baptism in the Holy Spirit meant I had to be weird, and it was just a misunderstanding. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to in order to pursue all God has. So I want you to know that's the church I see. It's a passion-filled church that pursues all God has for them. And some are reluctant to do it because they're just uninformed. Others are, are reluctant to, to engage in all these things that God has for them because, well, they've grown apathetic. They've grown apathetic. They're informed, but they feel like they already have enough. And so when you're apathetic, what it means, that word apathetic means without passion. 
They've lost their passion for the things of God. They're like, ah, what I've got right here, this, I've got fire insurance, and this is good enough. I'm willing to just ride out the rest of my life knowing that there's stuff Jesus paid for with his death, burial, and resurrection that I'm willing to leave on the table and never experience. I'm good. They have a version of Christianity without the passion. They aren't all in. And eventually what love they have for God will grow cold. And they may still go to church, but they do more damage doing that because it turns into a religion instead of a relationship. Where everybody that walks in, they're eyeballing them up and down, looking at how they dress, sniffing them for how they smell. You can't sit with me. I don't like how you smell. I don't like your tattoos. How dare you come in here with a beard, wearing sneakers. There have been people kicked out of a church because they weren't dressed right, because their shoes weren't polished, as if that matters to God. See, when your passion grows cold, all you've got is the rules. They do more damage than their apathy. Keeping passion alive is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. Romans 12, 11 said, this is Paul encouraging us, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That means it's your responsibility to do that. You have a role to play. If we don't do this, our love grows cold. We'll walk away from God claiming, well, I tried that Jesus thing and it just didn't work for me. But you didn't go all in. You didn't go all in. The real issue, if if we're being honest with ourselves, is we became passionate about something else. Passionate about our own desires. And we took God off the throne and put ourselves there instead. So I'm going to follow these passions. I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to do what I want because I think I know best. We eventually reject the more that God has for us because those passions will draw us away. Listen to me, simple church. There's never been a time that we're, that, like, like we're walking in right now. There's never been a time like this. I, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I, I'm trying to tell you, I believe we are literally walking in the last days that this earth is going to see before Jesus splits the skies and calls us to heaven. I'm not trying to scare you. That should be a joyous thing for anybody who is a Christ follower. Get me out of here. The Bible says when he comes back, he's bringing his reward. It's with him. Come on, Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been given a reward before, but I I don't know. I can't even imagine what kind of reward Jesus has for me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'll work. I'll work hard. I'll do all that you ask me to while I'm here. But let me tell you something. My eyes are on the sky. To be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. I'm not afraid. Let's go. Let's go. And I think we need God's spirit. We need his power more than ever in our lives. And spiritual apathy isn't going to cut it. we got to go all in. So some are uninformed, some are apathetic, and some are just afraid. We're just afraid. We're afraid that if we go all in, that God's going to make us sell everything we have and move to Africa somewhere, and that scares us. Well, I'm single. What about my future spouse? Well, I've got kids. What about what do I do with my kids? How do I convince my bride that I'm supposed to do this? If God calls me to do it, that scares me. 
We think that just because we say yes to Jesus, that God's automatically called us to live this extreme life that is so far different from our own. He, he's going to change you. He's going to transform your heart. The Bible says when you love him, it's easy. His, his, the things he has for you to live out, obedience-wise, those are easy burdens to carry when you love him. The enemy wants you to think that if you go all in, this is just going to be a boring old life. Or if it's not boring, that it's so extreme, you're just going to lose everything. Lose yourself. It costs, feels just too much. It has you afraid. And the enemy's convinced you that going all in will make your life worse. But listen, there's a life, that's a lie from the enemy because the enemy is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. And if that's what you're afraid of, just don't side with that guy. Take up your armor. But this is who our God is. In James 1:17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from God, or from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God doesn't have anything we should be afraid of, folks. Nothing. So today I'm asking you, go all in. Give it your all. Put all your chips on the table. We say, Aaron, what does that look like practically? I say this all the time. I said it at our Christmas service. I talk about it often. Give us a year of your life. That's what it looks like. Do all that we do. If, we're, if the doors are open on Sunday, be committed. Be here. Get, in a, get into a, a grow group. Lead a grow group if you've been around here for a while. You've been in grow groups. Lead one. Join the dream team. Go through growth track. Like Take some steps. If you're married, go to the marriage conference that we do. Like, just go all in. Say, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just join them. Because I'm going to tell you that the difference a year will make will transform your life. And for those of you that have taken that challenge, they'll tell you their stories. I was this. I went all in. I gave it. I gave it a year, and God changed my life. Go all in. See what God has for you. Don't be afraid. Refuse spiritual apathy. Fan your passion to a flame. You know, I believe this will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. Amen, everybody? I really believe that. I do. So I want to end our time today with a, with a, a brief story. It's, a, it's actually a prophecy from the book of Ezekiel. And there's a guy who's got this measuring tape. And he's laying out this measuring tape, and he's measuring the distance between two places. And he's like, so you're here, and really what you need to do is be there. And that's kind of what, what I'm doing today with y'all. Some of you are here, and, and, and really what God's got for you is over here. Because God's got more. And it says this in Ezekiel 47. It says, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. And for some of you, I believe this, this, is, this is the picture of salvation. Hey, you're just getting our toes in. We're just, we're just stepping in a little bit. It says, then he measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was knee deep. Oh, this is that next step, man. This is getting baptized. He said, then he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. Now, I don't know if you've ever got up to water that's up to the waist, but you're still in a little bit of control at that point, right? The water's not carrying you away with its current. And I think at this point, you get to make some choices. You go to growth track, be part of, discover how God has wired you and how he's made you 
and gifted you to make a difference in this world. Join the dream team. Start serving people. I'm telling you that'll change your life. Get into a grow group. Man, I'm telling you, I am here today because of a small group. It saved my life. It saved my marriage. Changed me. Get into a grow group. But then it says he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross. And this is the part that scares us. Because when we get into the deeper waters with God, we find that the water is now carrying us. But that's what God has for you. You're not meant to carry the weight of this life on your own. He wants to carry you along. He's got a journey for you. But it's going to take you surrendering to the water. It's going to take you admitting, I want control, but I know I can't have you and have control. Which one do you want? He said, because the water had risen, was deep enough to swim in a river no one could cross. And he said, there were large numbers of fish. That means there's life. The water is flowing. He said, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. Salt water kills everything. Nothing can grow in it. Not, not, this, not these fish. And he's like, so where the river flows, everything will live. And that's what God has for you. A life that is a life filled with abundance. An abundance of life, an abundance of power. This is what God has for each and every single one of us. And that's, I believe, honestly, how we're going to see the greatest revival this world has ever seen. I think there's one last great one to come. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of it. And I think it's connected to each and every single one of us. I don't mean simple church. I mean every single believer accepting responsibility for their own spiritual journey and going all in with God. I believe that. Remember, all that we have is not all that God has for us. Let's pray. My first prayer today, I, I want to speak to those of you that are here. That you're like, Aaron, I, I need that first baptism. The other two sound great. A little scary, a little different than anything I've ever heard before. But that first one, I want to be part of God's family. I want to experience salvation. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to know God. I want to be in relationship with him. If that's you and you're here today, you can have that. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've hurt. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. God loves you so much. In fact, some of you are concerned about what you did last night. God knows what you did last night, and he loves you still. It's called unconditional love. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. And then he wants to be in relationship with you, and the way he made, made for us to do that is by giving us his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life here on this earth. He gave his life, died upon a cross, surrendering it. He became a sacrifice for you and I, so that we could be forgiven, made right, and be adopted into a spiritual family. And if you're here today, that's what you want, man. You want to have, have forgiveness and freedom, a restart or redo with God. You can have that through Jesus today. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be included on that prayer, would you just let me know? Would you just slip your hand up right now? Would you say, Aaron, that's me today? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. You can put your hands down out of you. Church, we've got people saying yes to Jesus today. That's why we do what we do, by the way. All of this is put together so that you can encounter God. So church, everybody today praying out loud, 
especially those of you that are making that commitment today, say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, I have another prayer that I want to talk to you, some of you. Some of you are like, man, Aaron, I want to get baptized, but I got some fear. I've got some concerns. And I want to honor those things. I'm okay with you having questions, concerns, some hesitations. But I need you to know that that experience of baptism in water is a beautiful experience. And so I want to pray for you right now, for those of you that that's your next step. Lord, I just pray. Father, that every barrier that the enemy has put into the way of us experiencing all that you have for us, Lord, that you would remove it. Father, that we would find healing, that we would find answers, that we would trust you more than we've ever trusted you before, that we would trust you with our whole lives and that we would even trust you with our physical bodies in a moment where we would stand before others and confess your name, acknowledging you I pray that you would help us overcome whatever it is within us that has caused us fear. And this last group, you know, I hear, I talk to people all the time. They're like, you know, I don't hear God speak to my heart. And I'm going to ask you the question that Paul asked the Christians too. Have you been filled with the Spirit? And if you've never asked the Lord to fill you with his Spirit, by the way, those of you who just prayed the prayer, you just did that, by the way. You ask God to fill you with your spirit, but if you've never asked for that, I just want you to, sitting right where you are, would you just put your hands out, kind of just like you're going to receive a gift because you're about to get it. If you're ready to be filled with the spirit, this is, this is your sign to me, sign to yourself, sign to God, maybe even those around you, I'm ready. So Lord, I pray for those that are ready. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. Father, that they would experience your power and your presence, that they would hear your voice, Holy Spirit, as you lead them and guide them and correct them, as you train them, as you empower them, as you give them wisdom. I pray that they would hear your voice and that their lives would be transformed as they experience your power to live out this life you have called them to. I pray that their lives would never be the same because of this moment right here where they said, yes, fill me, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, I want you to know I'm so proud of you today. So proud of so many of you taking steps. And I want to encourage those of you. Uh, I, know, I know that we didn't do baptism today, but we'll do it here in a few weeks. Mark your connection card or get out the Simple Church app, the, the Church Center app, excuse me, and, and sign up. Say yes. Take that step. Invite your friends and family. Of course, if none of them are able to come, we're your friends and family now. Amen, everybody? And uh, we, wanna, we will celebrate with you. But, but don't be afraid of everything that God has for you because it's beautiful. Let me remind you as we dismiss today, there's a give box in the back of the room for those of you that are prepared to give. And you can give these digital ways. We appreciate your, your generosity and your faithfulness in your giving. and allows us to continue to reach out to the community. Some very cool things coming up that I cannot wait to share with you as we flesh them out. God is on the move at Simple Church, and uh, there's some big things coming down the pipe 
And uh, so just thank you so much for your faithfulness in that area. We really appreciate it. Let me pray for us all and we will dismiss. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your encouragement and the invitation to all that you have for us, Father. I pray that we would fan that passion into flame as we meet with you daily during this 21 days of prayer and fasting and every day thereafter. Lord, be with us this week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a good. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.